Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. You know, Waco has an award-winning crime writer, a crime mystery, fiction, but short stories, Michael Bracken. I am so happy to welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Of course, we know each other through the Waco Symphony. Yes. Because you are recently retired as uh, our marketing director. And um, we hate to, hated to see you go, but I do understand the whole wanting to retire. Well, it's hard to call it retirement. I'm basically moving from working seven days a week to working five days a week. <laughs> well, because your writing really has kind of captured a lot of your attention. Yes. I've been writing freelance since I was a teenager. And this past year, things just took off wonderfully. And so I figured it's time to take advantage of that. Okay, but now this particular genre, um, crime, um, am I correct saying it? Crime mystery crime or fiction, crime mystery, fiction? They're all under the same umbrella. Yeah, but but what I what you you gave me to read uh, of your um, some samples of what you've written are in the short story correct. format, which I love. It's one of my that's really I think my favorite thing. Um, so what kind of led you to that particular uh, venue as opposed to a full crime novel? Uh, when I started, I actually wrote, I think, five novels, and they all were published, but they were published by small presses, and I was earning more money from the short stories. Really? And so it made sense financially to write more short stories, and then it just kind of builds on itself. And, you know, 10, 20 years later, you realize your entire career is short stories. So... Um, and it's worked out very well for me, but it is odd that I think, should I write another novel? I go, uh, I'm doing too good with short stories. Uh, so how, how long does it take you generally when you come up with an idea for a story? It really varies. I have some stories that I, I've written in a single day. Those are rare, but I've done it. Yeah. And then there are some stories that, that take me 10, 15 years. I get the idea and I get started but I hit a block of some kind. I don't know what the twist is, or I don't know what the clue is, or I don't know how the story should end, and it just sits there. And then at some point, it, the light bulb goes off. I know how this one ends. I'll sit down and finish it. So, so what kind of piqued your interest in the whole crime thing? Um, I have to say, 
it's a little salty. <laughs> some of it. Yeah, the, some of it, and uh, and a little graphic. So some of it. yeah. So you know what kind of led you to that in that direction? Did you always love reading these kinds of stories, or? Well, I always loved reading. Um, when I was a child, my mother. We moved around a lot, and the first thing my mother always did was find the nearest library yes. and get a, a, a library card. And so I started out in the eighth grade. I told her I wanted to be a writer, and so she bought me a typewriter. Really? Yeah, so I knew early on what I wanted to do. But what happened is when I first started writing, my best friend and I were going to be science fiction writers, Isaac Asimov and Robert Heinlein and so on. And my first professional sale was a science fiction story. But... Early on, I sent a story to a magazine, a more general interest magazine, and the editor sent it back, completely revised it. I, mean, I was a kid, basically. Yeah. Revised it, retyped it, and <laughs> sent it back said, he loved the story, but the publisher didn't want science fiction. Did I have anything else? Sitting on the corner of my desk was a page and a half opening to a story that I'd stopped because it wasn't science fiction. Right. It was a mystery, and so I wrote it, and he bought it. So I wrote another one, and he bought it. And I wrote a third one in another magazine, but I go, maybe I'm not a science fiction writer. Maybe <laughs> I'm a mystery writer. And that's pretty much what shifted gears. I mean, I've read, I read mysteries. I obviously still do read mysteries, but it wasn't my first dream. Was mm-hmm. But it, like that editor's just slight push made me discover I can, uh, I'll be a writer, but maybe mysteries are the way to go. That that's fascinating, and you say you were young when all this was happening. Yes. How, how um, prior to college or? Oh, definitely. Um, I wrote my first professionally published story when I was seventeen. Really? It appeared in print when I was twenty-one, so it took a few years to actually get published. Uh huh. Um, and my college career was kind of a. I did a year, dropped out, went back several years, did a second year, dropped out, and many many years later. Uh, after I moved to Waco, I finished my college at Baylor. Mm-hmm. I was 48 when I finally graduated. Really? So I was writing. I have a degree in professional writing, but I was already writing professionally before I even for years and yes. years. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that that is that's fascinating. Well, that and that kind of brings me to. I mean, I I love the stories, and I and I kind of want to talk a little bit about each one of them. Okay. Uh, but I think I'd like to get a little first, a little more into your background. Where are you from? And, and you say you moved and your yes. mother found a library. So tell me a little bit about yourself, well, Michael. I was born in Canton, Ohio. Oh, really? And when I was, before kindergarten, we moved to California, where my mother was from. And then all over the, the Bay Area, what's now called Silicon Valley, lived there, uh, moved from there to Tacoma, Washington, was there from sixth through ninth grade, back to California, in Northern California, a small town called Fort Bragg, right on the coast. And then there through high school, then I moved to Southern Illinois, then up to Chicago, then to Mississippi. And You have there. moved a lot. I have moved a lot. And even though I moved in each of those places, you know, like in Southern Cal- uh, Central California, we moved several times within that area. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've lived all over the place. Yeah, and I'm sure that helps in your writing as well. I mean, just I'm thinking some of the settings. What was Deep South Texas? Have you spent a lot of time Well, I've there? been in Texas since, I think, 1994. Yeah. So I, I've been, you know, mostly in Central Texas, but I've traveled around the state. Yeah. Yeah. Have a, have a good feel for that. Well, so so um, what brought you to, was... 
was actually a going to bed. Oh, it was a job. Yeah, and because you were working in in marketing, was, copywriting, and that actually, kind of thing. I started out in publishing, typesetting, uh-huh. proofreading, really, really, on the production side. Uh huh. And uh, so I moved here to work for a publishing company, and that job didn't last very long, but I was here, and I so I stayed. So. Well, and of course we know, you know, in industry wide, print is kind of taking it on the chin yeah. uh do you find a lot of what you're writing is in is online are they are they digital um no most, most publications are they're like magazines or there are digital publications right um most of my stuff sells to um print magazines uh-huh. or anthologies um, but yes yeah, sometimes uh i sell to uh digital publications and there are a great many publications across all. Apparently, yes, I mean, at all the different ones that you've had, it seems like it's a different publication that you received a nomination or an award yes. from. So the most recent award, let's talk about that. Um, tell tell me about that because I know you've been nominated for a lot of things, but this right. was something that you well, won. Well, actually, last year I was nominated for four different awards, uh-huh. which that's. Four awards in one year is a pretty big deal. Yeah. I was uh, nominated for a story I co-authored with uh, James A. Hearn, who lives in Georgetown. Our story, uh, Blindsided, was nominated for an Edgar Award, which is the top award in the mystery field. Then I had another story nominated for a Seamus Award, which is the top award specifically for private eye stories. And then I had two stories nominated for Derringer Awards, which are specifically for short mysteries, and one of those won. Mm, so t- tell me which one. Oh, mind blank. Uh, sorry, let's see. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at all these. Let's see. Well, I'll, I'll get to it because I want to uh, go through it. The one that won was the Down Easter Alexa. <laughs> there it is. It's right in my yes. hand. Down, Down Easter Alexa. Right. And this is something that is set up in the New England area, right? Yes. That story was published in an anthology uh, that was crime stories based on the songs of Billy Joel. Really? So the Down Easter Alexa is actually a Billy Joel song. A Billy song. Joel song. And I use that as my inspiration. How interesting. Yes. So this is a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. That's it. I did not know that. Uh, it, uh, the past few years have been several anthologies. Um, I just got invited to write for one based on the songs of Genesis, and I have a story coming up in one based on the songs of the Beatles. Oh, really? Oh, just think what you could write for Eleanor Rigby. Yeah, somebody else got that one. Oh, uh, man. And then... Uh, what an interesting song. I have one coming up in an anthology based on the st- songs of Waylon Jennings. So there are... I love this idea. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Well, talking about the Down Easter Alexa, uh, it really, there was a lot of twists and turns in this one and and even though it is a short story is there like a certain number of words that qualify or how do, how does that work well a short story generally is between a thousand and five thousand words okay so just a general guideline and then once you push over five thousand words you start creeping up into what are called novellas or novelettes i got and those you. are usually ten thousand to twenty thousand words they may be a little longer right um but when you're writing for an anthology specifically, the, the <coughs> editor of the anthology will give you a word count. Say, I want stories this length. So you mm-hmm. either take your idea and condense it to fit or take your idea and expand it to fit. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and do they tell you which song or do you kind of have a... It depends. for How the, quickly you get your, your yeah. email back. I want this one. Uh, for this particular <laughs> anthology, I was told which album the song had to come okay. from. Okay, oh, so good. So I listened to the album, I read all the lyrics, and go, well, which mm. one speaks to me? 
And so I chose that particular song. Uh, one I'm doing uh, for the Beatles anthology, the editor gave me a particular one. He said, we don't have enough George Harrison songs, so write a story about this George Harrison song. Oh, really? So, yeah. And, of course, I guess, you know, I, I immediately wonder, you know, if, if the person who wrote the, compo- the lyricist composer of the song were still alive, do you try to reach out to them and go, what were you thinking when you... No, you... you, you, you just, that's not, not it. This that. is all just totally in your imagination. Right. You have to be very careful when you're doing something based on... I mean, you can't take a literal, write a story literally from the song. Right. Like if you did... It's Robert, just an idea. It's just an idea. What does that song tell you? And for Downeaster Alexa, it gave me the setting, mm-hmm. very much so. And it gave me some interesting elements about the setting that I could then interpret in a different way. So it, that, yeah. that, is, that is just awesome. I mean, that's great. And um, it did receive the Derringer Award from yes. the Short Mystery Fiction Society. Yes. So is this like a membership thing that you're in? How does that work? Yes. The Short, Short Mystery Fiction Society is a group of people who read, write, edit, and sometimes just read short fiction, as opposed in the writing community, novelists always get the glory. So at some point, 10, 15 years ago, a bunch of short mystery writers, short writers of short mystery, they're not all short writers, um, writers of short yeah, you're mystery. A literalist. Yeah. Um, decided, well, we needed something just, just for us. And they, they started the organization. And so it rewards and, uh, through those awards, the short mysteries, mm-hmm. and so, um, yeah. and I'm I'm sure the just to get your name out there more too, yeah. and so then other folks see that. And mm-hmm. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. Okay, you mentioned Blindsided, and yes. this again is a co-author situation with yes. James A. Hearn of Georgetown, and uh, this was in Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine. Yes. Very cool. And uh, this was a nomination for the Edgar Award. What, do you know anything about that award, what that means, Edgar? Oh, <coughs> Who's Edgar? Edgar Allan Poe. I, I wondered if it was Edgar yes. Allan Poe. Uh, the Mystery Writers of America, who sponsor that, are the oldest organization of mystery writers in the U.S. Yeah. I don't know if they're the oldest in the world, but the oldest in the U.S., very respected. Um, I actually got a, elected to the board uh, this past January. Did you? Congratulations. But the Edgars are... Pretty much, if, if you've been, if just being nominated for an Edgar just takes your entire career up to the next level. And so it was it was amazing That's to, cool. to have been nominated. And, yeah. You know, had to go to New York to the awards ceremony. And it was. Wow, big time. It, it, I mean, yeah, the big whole time. tuxedo thing and all yep, that. Yep. Exactly. Oh, and red carpet. there with people like Michael Connolly and, or, you know, very extremely well known writers. Yeah, go, right. Oh, hey, I'm here. <laughs> Pretty heady stuff. It is. Yeah. I'm curious how how it works to um, collaborate with somebody else. So how did how did you go about doing that? Okay, well, Andrew actually his first published story was an anthology in an anthology I edited mm-hmm. called "The Eyes of Texas," mm-hmm. which was privatized story set in Texas. His first published story, and turns out he's in Georgetown, so we got together. It's pretty close, yeah. Yeah, so his wife and my wife and the two of us we all get along. So we've gone to dinner a few times and. I had this story, Blindsided, that I'd written part of. But I don't know much about football. Um, but it had to be a football story for this story to work. Right. And so we're at dinner. He lives and breathes Dallas Cowboys. Okay. So he knows. He doesn't play it, I guess, but he knows football. And I said, I've got this story. 
and he's and, and that's how it started. And he hmm. he brought a lot of the football to it, right? And I brought the basic structure to it, and then we worked together. You know, add a scene, take out a scene, revise a scene. We did a lot of revising mm-hmm. um, to get it where we wanted, and we worked together. And then we had it all written. Thought we thought we were done, and both of us are lucky. Our wives are involved in our careers, and they both read the story and they said. You went past the ending. You got to cut some. You know, oh, you know, so interesting. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, okay. You know, after you grumble, say, <laughs> um, then then we went back and looked at it, and they were right. We had gone too far. A little too far. So we cut it until we were happy with it. And then in a good collaboration, one writer always gets the final draft. And mm-hmm. generally, I ask for that when I collaborate. So And that helps smooth everything out. Sometimes you see a bad collaboration where you go, well, so-and-so wrote this paragraph and so-and-so You could tell, right, you yeah. Tell. <laughs> but so I did the final draft and sent it to Linda Landrick and at Alfred Hitchcock's, and she liked it, and obviously the Edgar judges liked it. Yeah. So. It was great. It was another great story. Family dynamics, you know, I, yes. I, I really love that aspect of it. I think maybe my favorite one is this next one I want to talk about, and uh, that's the Aloha Boys. Yes. Because of the setting. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> <laughs> I noticed you didn't mention the name of the university. I, don't, I think you said the university. You referred to the university. I was kind of looking for that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, it's fiction. So yeah, yeah but we talk about everything from Ketox hamburgers. To, yeah, it's, it's a private to, uh, set yeah, in Waco. It's definitely it's set, set it so much fun. You know, just that part of it um, I, I enjoyed, you know, because of, because of the setting. Um, but, I mean, a, a pretty gripping crime Yes. scenario and and i mean it truly was a page turner from the standpoint of you know what what is what's happening next uh with what he's discovering yeah. your 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 private eye yeah. so again this is a derringer award nominee uh by the short mystery fiction society right. again so um the aloha boys uh the the protagonist the private eye um morris ronald boyette who is best friend calls mo ron is uh works out of waco and i've written several stories about on him. franklin in fact he was on franklin and he's moved over to washington yeah, that's right that's right you that's yeah. kind of like rogue media started yeah. out on franklin moved right. to washington and now so, on webster so yeah <laughs> he, he started out in a building that's no longer on franklin yeah it's been replaced so right he had right to move so although <laughs> i mean it is fiction i do try to keep it close to reality yeah right with all the gentrification and things that are happening in waco yeah right (laughs) i loved i loved it i mean i just that part of it was was fun for me um but yeah it was it was definitely um sort of disconcerting i mean it was upsetting Mm. to to me to that you even how do you come up with these things (laughs) i mean I, I just do. I, I, I mean, really, I mean, you're, yeah. you seem like a nice person. I mean, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> See, some people go to therapy. Some people write short stories. I gotcha. All right. Um, but I've been writing <laughs> short. I've sold about 1,200 short stories over the Have course you of my really? Career. Yeah. So coming up with ideas is no longer, no longer I even think about it. I just have them. You just have them. Yeah. And they go, oh, okay. I'll okay, I'll story. write something on that. So, for example, this story, this story um, I was actually approached by an editor who wanted uh, long form novella length um, private eye stories for uh-huh. a series he was doing. 
And so I figure, well, let's bring Moron back back to the page. I see. Yeah. So I start with Moron and figure, um, what's he going to do this time? And, and yeah. had, had to give him a client, had to give him a, a situation, and uh, start from there. And then as things go on, little pieces of if you've read prior Moron stories, you'll see pieces of other stories or characters from other stories coming back to the fore. Okay. Um, but I, I hope it's not something that somebody who's never read a Moron story would go, oh, what's that? No, no, and I and I had not read it, anything other than what, what you shared with me. Um, but it, it makes me think of uh, Lynn Russell, the former CNN anchor that I was able to interview on uh, Zoom yeah. here for this podcast. And she has become a crime mystery writer, oh. and her protagonist is uh, PJ Santini. Yeah. And so she has several different novels. She's, yeah. she's writing the, the longer form, um, but her... P.J. Santini's a former news anchor. You know, it just it's just loads of fun. Yeah. Loads of fun. Um, so you're you're having a good time doing this, apparently. You say it's fun. therapy, but... Well, it, it's not really therapy, but it's like, <laughs> you know, people who have voices in their heads don't usually become writers, but those of us who do, you know... <laughs> We turn them into stories and novels. Well, we have have another two uh, to talk about. We're going to take a quick break first, and when we come back, we'll learn a little bit more about Michael and a little bit more about disposable women. So stay with us. Nine one one, what's your emergency? Do you hear that? It's coming from the house. It's coming from inside the house. Uh, do you mean? Could it be? The New from Rogue Media, two haunted hotties talking about haunted places. Every episode, we dive deep into the darkest places and give you a bit of history. We're getting spooky in all the right places. You gobbled your last ghoul. Follow along for the craziest and spookiest stories with Debbie's Dark Tourism. The Stanley Hotel, Winchester House, The Alamo, Hotel Monte Vista, and more spooky places. Find us at the underscore Poltergals. P-O-L-T-E-R-G-A-L-S. Look over your shoulder. It's us, the Poltergals. Wherever you consume the podcast, you can find us there. Zach and I'm Mike and we have a fantastic new podcast to tell you about bros foes and heroes it's the two of us looking into the world of comics breaking down some characters that you may have never heard of and some that are just absolutely ridiculous yeah so Zach comes up with a character each time and uh, I go into it just completely blind I don't know who this person is or what their abilities are or anything and and basically I guess we kind of go over their origin story and just some of the ridiculous stuff that maybe, especially Golden Age stuff. Oh, Golden yeah. Age stuff is always the best. And we will make sure to highlight all of the shenanigans and just absolute weirdness yeah. of everything. Yeah, that's right. So subscribe today and uh, follow us on Instagram at Bros Bros Heroes. And if you don't, I know where you live. Not really, but please subscribe. <laughs> 
Frozen, Frozen, heroes. Gonna tell you about Frozen, Frozen, heroes. Gonna tell you about. Hi, this is Sarah. And I'm Carter. And this is Some of Our Thoughts. We're two Southern sommeliers, and we want to share everything we love and know about wine. We started hanging out during quarantine and cooking and drinking and listening to music, and we just thought this would be a great way to bring everything we know to you guys. We will make wine knowledge and food pairings easy and approachable. So put on your favorite vinyl, grab your favorite glass of wine, tune into our show, and let's have some fun. <laughs> so check us out on roguemedianetwork.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. We'll be talking about a lot. <laughs> At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back with Michael Bracken, who is a crime mystery fiction writer, primarily the short story format, uh, but novellas as well you have written, and you've written novels in the past. Um, we, we mentioned uh, an, another one that you had shared with me. This is called Disposable Women, and uh, this appeared in Tough. It was, uh, is that a, that's a compilation or no, tough is actually an online publication okay there you and go then what they do is every couple of years they select a handful of stories and put them in a book but that one appeared in online okay and it was nominated for a Seamus award by the private eye writers of america correct as so, i again another professional organization, professional organization you're a part of yes that's well. That's cool. So, and this is the one I mentioned. You know, being set in South Texas, which yes. I thought it was really because you you truly brought that part of the country to life, having you know gone out to West Texas um, a year ago. You know, and I I was really visualizing what was uh, what was happening here. Um, but it, this is centered around the situation that we're all familiar with, and that's um, folks coming across the border mm-hmm. trying to carve out a life in uh, in texas yes and remain under the radar and yes. so forth um what happened actually uh several years ago i wrote a story called quarryville texas set in west texas um for an uh an anthology of uh, that the private eye writers of america put out private eye stories and 
since then, I've written several stories, all set in West Texas, that center around Coryville, and this story's in Chicken Junction, in a fictitious county in Obviously, West Texas. Obviously, yeah. Uh, the towns and the cities are all fictitious, but I tried to make them as close to what I have seen and experienced in Texas, and specifically in West Texas for the settings. And so in this particular story, uh, Private Eye, whose company went, wasn't his company, he worked for a corporate or a private eye security firm, and it went under because of some shady dealings. So he he had, wasn't doing it. He wasn't doing the it. boss was, but the he got was, painted but, with this brush. Right, yeah. because you're all it's a company's bad. Well, no matter how good you are, the company's closed. Nobody wants to hire yeah, you. Yeah, right. So he has gone down to uh, Chicken Junction, Texas. He's living in I think it's his aunt's or his grandmother's um, uh, mobile home, and he's just trying to figure out what to do next. And he yeah. falls in love with a with an immigrant who is living you know, six to a trailer or whatever, and working mm-hmm. at the chicken process, or the meat processing plant. Right. And then one day she doesn't come home. And well, he's a private eye and he wants to know what happened to her. Right, and right. That, he's that, fond of her and yeah. Right. That That's the investigation. Uh-huh. What happened to her and why and I won't tell what happened to her. But, no, I mean, you know. again, another another page turner from mm-hmm. that standpoint because you're you're not expecting the the twists that, uh, that happen with that or the yeah. Anyway, yes. I won't say any. Yeah, <laughs> I won't say any more. But um, so, what I want to talk to you about is how can folks find your writing? Well, the best way is to go to crimefictionwriter.com, which is my website, and there is a list of almost everything I've ever had published and where it's been published. Right. That's the easiest way, and where possible, there are links. Um, also, you can go to amazon.com. And look for my name, and there's a whole lot of publications there where you can buy directly. I see. Yeah, because I wonder, how, you know, how do you monetize this? You know, you're, you're paid for sending your story, but do you get residuals, if I can ask you? Every, yeah. every, well, every deal is different. Sometimes oh, okay. you get paid a flat rate up front. Right. Sometimes you get uh, an advance plus royalty. Sometimes you get just royalties. So it it's a constant juggling well where's the money coming from now and yeah. who owes me and, and things like that mm. but i mean there are multiple different ways that the money comes in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very good well it, it really is so delightful to talk to you um i'd like to end these little visits it's a little questionnaire similar to the one the late great james lipton would use on inside the actors okay. studio and so this is a little my take my take on this right yeah it is okay i mean this guy you're a wordsmith okay you're a writer been doing it since you were a little kiddo yep what is your favorite word accepted because when an editor tells me that (laughs) yeah good not rejected exactly (laughs) okay so i guess i just answered my next one what is your least favorite word (laughs) okay i gotta fill into that one what turns you on creatively spiritually or emotionally I, kind of a key question for someone who who's putting these thoughts and this creativity on paper i think that's a two-part answer because i'm not just a writer i'm an editor as a writer what turns me on is having an idea that is so good that it just has to go on paper and now you get lots of ideas and you write lots of stories but sometimes there's an idea you go oh my goodness this is the story this is it and i've had a few of those most of them i have to work out but when it just comes to you it's like and you know oh yeah yeah that's right the angels singing yeah um the other part is as an editor 
Um, I've published, I edit a mystery magazine, and I'm associate editor of another magazine, and I edit uh, anthologies of short stories. And what turns me on is when I find a new writer who's not ever been published, and I pull their story out of the submission file, and it's like, why hasn't anybody published this writer before? Yeah. And so what happens, and it, it feels good then, but years later, it feels even better. For example, with uh, James Hearn, he since I published his first short story, he's been uh, nominated, co-nominated for the Edgar Award. Sure. He's made a cover story of Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine. And this year, one of his stories was selected for inclusion in the Best American Mystery in Suspense. So his career has skyrocketed in short time. Another writer that I published her first short story, 2000-2001, in an anthology, her name is Anne Aptiker. She's gone on to become a novelist. She's won Goldie Award, Lambda mm. Award, multiple nominations. It's like, I, I didn't create their abilities. I didn't, you know, I didn't shape their careers, but I was the first one to recognize it. And, and gave that, them that opportunity. And gave them that first yeah. opportunity. Yeah. And that turns me on as an editor. Absolutely. That's That's got to be so rewarding for you. Well, then, conversely, what turns you off creatively or emotionally or even spiritually? Hmm. I get frustrated. It doesn't turn me off, but I get frustrated sometimes with the slow pace of publishing. Really? You know, like I said, my first short story, I wrote it at 17 and get, didn't get published until I was 21. There, there's a process that things go through. And sometimes I wish, well, this is brilliant. It should be published now. Yeah, I what's the now. problem? <laughs> I get impatient. I, yeah. I think all writers get impatient. Yeah. Right? yeah. What sound do you love the most? Laughter. I mean, there's nothing better than laughter. Yeah. Yeah. What sound do you hate? Fingernails on a chalkboard. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I'm just, I'm no, no, just I know. thinking about it. <laughs> I know. It. Yeah, yeah you, you took me right there. Okay. What other profession would you have liked to try? It sounds like you always knew what you wanted to do. Well, but. Rock and roll musician is number two on the list. And my mother did buy me a guitar. All right. But apparently I have minimal musical skills. <laughs> I, I can't even find a bucket to carry whatever it is tune that I'm trying to, trying to do. But yeah, I think I might have liked that. Yeah. What profession do you know you would not do? What job would you I not would want? I never want to be a doctor because I don't want to have somebody's life in my You know, life. I've heard other people say that. That's just, that's too much yeah. pressure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If I have a bad day, it means I wrote the wrong words. A doctor has a bad day; they lose. Somebody. It's not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And no, that, you're just, right. I don't want that. You're right. You're right. Okay, then finally, what do you want to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates, Michael? I liked your last story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> oh, Michael Bracken, you are awesome. I mean, I, I haven't had a chance to really get to know you, um, even though we've kind of been working both through the uh, Waco Symphony, and of course, you're now retired from that, and we certainly wish you all the best, Thank and uh, you've, you've just got many more great stories in you, I know. Oh, I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a delight. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again on Central Texas Life. Bye-bye. Central Texas Life with Ann Harder is part of the Rogue Media family. Be sure to check out our other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate this show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts. 
Join us again soon for more Central Texas Life with Ann Harder.